Welcome to the Militant Grind podcast. Today, I have a special guest, the first woman or female. I'm not sure if I'm pol- politically correct, but whatever. You it know, works for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? On this show, Carrie Ann Powell Esquire, she's the founder of Trafalgar Strategies. How are you today? Sherman, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on your show. Oh, no problem. No problem. So first, you know, I had to learn how to say Trafalgar because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. So if you don't mind telling me, how did you come up with that name? Oh, goodness. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll be happy to. Um, So, you know, I, I started my business back in 2014 mm-hmm. and um, it originally was focused primarily on working with um, fundraising strategy for large NGOs. And, um, and as time went on, you know, I was sort of beginning to sort of decide what I wanted to do with it. I, I felt like I wanted to expand a bit. Part of it was thinking you wanted to pivot. And, you know, I was sort of going back and forth a bit. Anyway, um, I split my time between Madrid and the U.S. And um, I was uh, visiting uh, some family in London and we were sort of standing. There's this great square called Trafalgar mm-hmm. Square mm-hmm. Um, in the middle of London. And uh, for those of you who are, are, are historians, you'll know that there was a huge battle between the Brits and I believe it's Spain and Italy. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, it was sort of a great story and it, you know, sort of triumph over, you know, over whatever. Um, And it's a story that really inspires me. And also when I was thinking about this, I would happen to have been standing in, you know, during that period of time, I was visiting family in London and I happened to be standing in the square. It was nighttime. They have beautiful uh, lights. There's just these two sort of lions in the middle of the square and the the way they uplight the the lions kind of is is quite, you know, quite Mm -hmm. inspiring, you know, one of those moments you feel like in a movie a bit. And as I was processing these thoughts, you know, I was standing there and I thought, you know what, I'm going to pivot, but I'm going to keep the business. I'm going to pivot in a way that makes me happy, the things that I want to do, which is strategy for small and medium-sized businesses. And so I decided to do that. And, you know, I said, I'm going to name my business Trafalgar Strategies. Oh, because that's a- <laughs> of the space that I was in. <laughs> Wikipedia, and, uh, here yes, I come. That's how gotta, I did it. Got to figure it all out. So what were you actually pivoting from? Was it from a practicing attorney? Well, no, I was already in the business. And, um, you know, so I started the business back in 2014. Coming out of building the Martin Luther King Memorial, I started the business. And obviously, the majority of the folks that were bringing me on as um, that, that were asking me to do work were large nonprofits around their mm. fundraising strategy, which is something that I could do with my eyes closed, to be frank, because I'd been doing it for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And um, but I realized at some point that I I I was feeling a bit stuck. And I think it's really important for business owners to think about this because sometimes we get stuck in a rut because the, that we're in that zone of our of 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 our not just competency but our z- zone of excellence i don't know if you've read the book by gay hendricks called the big leap and in that book he he sort of talks about there's our zone of 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 competency mm-hmm. um the zone of excellence and then there's this zone of genius and the zone of competency obviously is what it says it's it's the it's, it's the thing that we're working in that we know we're good. We're good at it, but mm-hmm. you know we can do it. But it is a thing. Yeah. And then most people get stuck in that zone. To be frank, and then there's the zone of 
excellence, which is the zone that a lot of people get stuck in because we get a lot of accolades for it. We're very, very good at it. And, you know, we're, we're award, rewarded for it, um, whether it's through pay or whether it's through, you know, sort of out of girls, out of boys. But his pot position in the book is there's another zone, there's a zone of genius in where it's the higher place of what we are, can all um, operate within the things that we can do that are only really uniquely us because mm-hmm. of our own um, innate um, innate abilities and also because of the unique experiences we've had in life. Right. But not many people move into the zone of genius because we're kind of stuck in the zone of excellence because we get affirmed by it. And it's right. a place of, of, you know, all the good stuff, but we don't really move into the zone of genius because it's different than how we expected. Most people don't really expect you to do that. And we don't really see ourselves in that way oftentimes. But so I would say when I was doing the shift, I was operating in my zone of excellence. I was working with large nonprofit boards of directors doing fundraising strategy, which I had, which I could do, did do, know how to do it quite well. However, I wasn't being fulfilled and I was beginning to get a little worried because, you know, I was building a team around this business Mm -hmm. and I was seeing the future and I was thinking to myself, I don't really know if come 10 years from now, I'm really going to want this to be. So I was really in the process of thinking about either closing down shop completely Mm. or um, pivoting to an area which I felt was a little bit outside of my, you know, my reach of like, okay, you know, I want to go there, but how do I get there kind of a thing? And I, that's what I would call my zone of genius, which is what I'm doing now. Mm. And so I think from when, when I was in that point, I was making those decisions about whether or not I wanted to even continue with the business or did I want to pivot or did I want to, um, you know, you know, morph into something else, you know, right. um, and I think for people who are really, really talented or they have lots of interests, this can also be a challenge because they're sort of like, I don't know, I could do this. I could do that. I could do this. I could do yeah. that. And then, you know, they never do a thing. So that's <laughs> a really great book. I'd recommend from your, for a lot of your audience to listen, to read, because not only does he talk about the need to transition into your zone of genius, mm-hmm. but also because he talks about what happens when we do transition to our zone of genius? What are the some of some of the ways in which we sabotage that, and how it shows up? It doesn't always show up in one way; it shows up in many different ways. And he talks about how to combat those uh, the demons that that do bring that internal demons within us. Because you know, there's an African proverb that says, it, "I think if you're a big fan of Les Brown, he always says, oh yeah, definitely yeah." yeah. He says um, <laughs> he says um uh. If you, you know, if, if there, if, if there is no, if there's no enemy within the Mm. enemy without can do you no harm, he uses Mm. that quote quite a bit, but it's true. You know, it's an African proverb that basically says, if you don't have any demons within, if you've sort of, uh, owned yourself and done a lot of the, the work within, then whatever is outside of you, that would be considered an enemy, not necessarily an individual, it could be an individual, but it's, you know, the thoughts and processes that are outside of you that are pressuring you to do different things. Yeah. You are, if you are okay within you, you're all, you're less likely to, uh, to do the things that you, to, to, to sort of fear the things outside of you. But oftentimes the things that are, our fears are usually the ones that are inside of us. Yeah, so, definitely. Okay. Definitely. Long story to a short question. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, I loved it. I actually learned a lot. And, um, 
you know, I'm I'm one of those people that are, is very talented at like whatever I put my mind to, like sales. I do taxes, you know, real estate agent, mortgage loans. You know, I could do anything. But yeah. then it's like after like I just it's, I have a high morale. Like I just can't. I'm not like a predatory type of guy. So I want to do mm-hmm. something that's fulfilling. That's good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like even though I can do this, I'm still not fulfilled because it's like what is it for? You know what I mean? Like I'm big, yeah. I'm like huge on impact. You know, yes. whatever I do, I have to impact somebody. Like the best feeling in the world is getting a call from somebody saying like, Hey, you really changed my life or yeah. you helped me do this or you helped me do that. And that fulfills me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I feel like, you know, we just have to be our own individual and not just do things for like monetary reasons or you know, just to look good in front of somebody, just to have a title, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like growing up um, in the Black, African-American community or whatever you want to call it, we tend to do what we've seen everybody else do because Mm -hmm. there's a fear of being different because we didn't see ourselves, you know, doing anything else, especially if you grew up in the inner city. It's like your parents either work for the state or the county Mm -hmm. or that's it, you know what I mean? Like it really wasn't like anything well, where I'm from, it wasn't like anything different. You know what I mean? So now, you know, I see myself as like, okay, I'm going to my big leap. And instead of thinking myself as a businessman, which I am, you know, by nature, I'm also a creative, you know? And one of my friends that I went to Morehouse with, we were in the Morehouse Business Association. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Julian Street, my guy. Um, He was like, Sherman, you're a creative. And I'm like, bro, what? Like, what are you like? But it hit me kind of like different. It was like, look at your tattoos. Look at what you post. Look at, you know, just just look, just think about yourself. Think about you. You know what I mean? You have art in your house, artifacts. Like you have, you're different than a lot of other, a lot of people. You know, like every time I get a tattoo, my tattoo artist is like, wow, what the hell is this? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Where'd you come up with this one? (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's like. I come up with my own design or my art thing or whatever. And, you know, I really tend to like, after he said that to me, I I started to like really hone in on that. Like growing up, I I love to draw. What you described to me is this concept of people projecting. That's why it's so important to have people in your life that are willing to project back to you who you really are. Because sometimes we don't, um, sometimes it takes a bit of 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 work to be able to see who we are truly truly i just did um some um i'm in the process of doing some video work in the business and um we're interviewing some of our past clients and just sort of you know asking them you know basically testimonials but Mm -hmm. doing some video production around it anyway we pulled out the first one we completed the first one the videographer and the producer guy you know, sent the final draft and I was, I was watching the video and it it was a moment, you know, this is a client that I'd worked with years ago and we're still in contact. We're no longer, you know, she's no longer a client, but we're still very much in touch. And she's a wonderful, wonderful woman. I mean, she's really amazing to be honest. I mean, this woman has a company in like four different countries all around the world. I mean, she's just doing fantastic things. And I'm listening to the video and the way she's talking about me and my team, I'm kind of like, no, I know we're good. You know what I mean? I know yeah. we know what we're doing. So it's not like I'm selling, you know, hogwash. Right. But you still, when you hear someone else say to you 
what they, how they see you, there's something very different about that. And if we can hang on to that and, and yeah. really bring that in, it's really fantastic. And like what you said, you know, you said your colleague said to you, you are creative. And even though that's who you are, so it's not like you're mm -hmm. putting on ears, you're being who you are, right. but he's reflecting back to you mm -hmm. what he sees to be true. Right. And then you can be like, but wait a minute. Yeah, I am a creative. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And I, you know, it's just so crazy. Um, you know, yesterday a, a random thing happened. A guy I was in a seminar with called me and yeah. he just needed some advice. I haven't talked to him in like eight years. Yeah. But you know, it was exciting. Like, you know, we were in the seminar for three days. He was like, Sherman, man, I remember that you said this to me, that to me, and it impacted me, and da-da-da-da-da. You know what I mean? And it's just like, yeah. wow, man, like. It's, yeah, you yeah. know, like it's, you, I feel like we definitely have to have more people projecting to us, you know, the truth about us. Yes. You know I'm saying like the, our, mm -hmm. our, like, what did they see? Cause it's hard to see yourself from the outside looking in because mm -hmm. a lot of times we self-sabotage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I sure you probably heard somebody talk about you and you like, what are you, you think I'm all that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Right, because we're like we're our own worst critic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, they, because again, it goes back to what that proverb says: the enemy within. Right? Yeah, it's the enemy within. If the, if there's no enemy within, then the enemy outside you can't do anything to you. And that mm -hmm. part of the growth process of life is being able to dismantle the things within us that mm -hmm. no longer serve us. Because oftentimes there's simply beliefs that we took on board when we were younger as ways to understand the world around us. Right. And so those are really not truths. They're, 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 they're actual lies. Most mm -hmm. of them. And some of them are just tech, you know, tactics that we used to protect our hearts. Um, and, and, and that's fine. Okay. Right. Service then, but no longer serves us now. So a large part of life and growth is simply dismantling those things so that we can clear the air so we can then see the sky. And once we see the sky, then we can see the sun. And then we see the sun, the truth comes in. Wow. Wow. So as a strategist, do you also help people with like life coaching and stuff like that? To, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, you know, I have to say there's there's eight components that I focus on when, when someone comes to me and they say, hey, you know, the business is is, is in chaos and trying to figure out what the next step is to how we fix it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's some eight. OK, so there's usually four what I call symptoms of chaos mm -hmm. that show up in a business. Right. And. Usually there's cash problems. They're having a cash flow issue. They don't have any cash. cash. Yeah. Cash is king. People talk about content being king. I'm sorry, cash is king in the business. So if you don't have any mm -hmm. cash, you, you you can't like you can't breathe no matter how um, good your product is, no matter how much your marketing is good, no matter how much you're getting profits. If the cash flow is in there, it's right. very difficult to survive. So there's yeah. cash. Usually there's a, they can't scale. They've been around for a bit, but they're not scaling. They may be growing, but they're not mm -hmm. scaling. That's mm -hmm. a problem. Another problem, another symptom of chaos that you may hear people like will say is they, their, their team is not functioning well. Either they have, they're having a hard time building a team or they're building a team. The team is not um, performing up to par. Mm -hmm. Or the fourth one is the, the owner is usually wearing too many hats and they can't step away from the business right. without feeling like it's going to implode. Right. So say, say we've got these four things. And by the way, Sherman, those four symptoms of chaos happen to also be the number one, the top four reasons why mm -hmm. businesses fail. 
Not mm -hmm. why small businesses fail, not, not why medium-sized businesses fail, because all businesses fail. So those top four problems are a big problem. However, mm -hmm. I don't think of those as the actual chaos. I think of those more as symptoms of chaos. If, if you are having a cash flow problem, there could be any number of reasons why you're having yeah. a cash flow problem. Oftentimes, most people would be like, oh, it's because I don't have a sales process. Well, it could be. Or it mm -hmm. could be your business model not working. It could be that your team's not performing well. It could be you're not leading well. It could be you have you don't have a success mindset. Right. So to answer your question, do I do life coaching? There is an element of, so I have, there are eight components that I consider to be the true culprits of chaos in the business. Mm -hmm. And one of them is an, a, a sucky mindset. Right. If you don't have a, if, and it's not about, oh, you're so bad, you have a bad mindset. It, it really just simply means that whatever is going on internally for you, it's no longer supporting you and it's keeping you from being able to be the business owner that you need to be in order for it to thrive. And mm. so your part of your role is as a leader is to lead yourself. Yeah. And leading yourself means creating um, practices that keep your mind, your success mindset at a high peak to begin to dismantle the things that are keeping you from staying at a high mental state right. and making sure that you can stay, you know, you can keep there. So not just get there, but stay there. Not yeah. for Determine yeah. we are human. We get begin to point. Yeah. But as you do this growth, the goal here is to when you go into sort of the the dips, is to shorten the amount of time you spend down there mm -hmm. and extend the period of time between the times when you go down. Right. So that way, as you grow, as you do the work, as you implement mentally um, mindset practices in your daily life you will begin to have less experiences of going deep into the belly. Mm -hmm. So you want to stay above water, but life is life what it is. We're human. We don't expect yeah. to be, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 And I use fitness for that. You know, like we have, we definitely have to implement tools and also boundaries, you know, to keep our mind right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? In order to, you know, get through in the world, like one thing for myself, you know, I tell myself, like, look, man, you can't do what the average person does. Like, you're not that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. some people want to go to the bar and drink and watch games. Like, I'm, I'm not even a sports fan. The only reason why people think that I watch sports is because I have muscles. You know what I'm saying? But other than right, that, yeah. I play the side. I never play the sport. I don't yeah. watch it. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? And that's not me. And now I'm coming to terms where it's like, you know what? I'm okay with that. You know, because... I feel like I'm a different type of person, you know what I'm saying? And that's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I feel like when people do decide to, you know, be different and start a business and run a business, you can't act like, you know, an employee, you know what I'm saying? You gotta, exactly. you have to be different. You have to protect yourself, your mind, your spiritual health, yes. your mental health and your physical health at all costs, because a lot of people depend on you. And, and Sherman, it's such a good point. You said, you know, this idea of, a lot of people are depending on you. The reality is that, so a business is an entity outside of yourself. A lot of mm -hmm. people who own businesses somehow own it in their hearts and, you know, precious, precious. No, no, no. A business is something outside of yourself that yeah. you are the caretaker of. The business's role is to generate value for all the stakeholders. Yeah. All the stakeholders include you, the owner, um, you know, basically by extrapolation, your family, okay? Yeah. 
your employees are stakeholders, so they it needs to generate value for them and by extension their family. Mm-hmm. Uh, your customers, they are a stakeholder, it needs to generate value for them. It needs to generate value for anyone who's investing in the company. So you're looking at, and then of course, as you think about your business, so you've got you, your family, your employees, their families, your customers, and whomever else gets the beneficial act. So say, for instance, you sell a wholesale good to a, to a company that uses your goods to manufacture some another bigger product that sells to their customers. Mm-hmm. So really, the truth, you need to be thinking about not just your immediate customer, but the customer of the, of the entity that is going to be buying the product, right? right? So there's a lot of people that are relying on you, a lot of stakeholders that are relying on you being able to be a good leader. How do you be a good leader? There's three prongs. There's leading yourself, leading your team, and then leading your business, your organization. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not leading yourself well, meaning you're not providing the tools that you need to be able to to thrive, whether it means the nutritional tools, whether it means the physical tools, whether it is the spiritual things, whether it's your mindset practices, whatever it is that you need to be the care and taking of you, the care and feeding Mm -hmm. of you, then you can't then turn around and be as best you can be to lead your team and to lead the organization. So it really is a matter of who do you want to be in the world? Yeah, you can be average, but if you, you know, if you want to be average, you're going to get average. But if you want to be outstanding, you're going to have to decide to live life a bit differently. Yeah. You know, it's great. I had a video um, because I feel like now in the world, People are like, you know, be a boss, don't be a consumer, be an entrepreneur, don't be a consumer, be, yeah. a, you know, and I'm yeah. like, look, man, to be honest, I can't see myself being a consumer or an employee. I feel like I'm just not built that way. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But yeah. then I also know that when somebody is not a business owner and they're just an employee or whatever, they're living a fantastic life. You know, like, <laughs> I'm like, I look at it like, man, y'all have no idea how blessed you are just to be yeah. able to you know, be this way and be whole, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause if you're a business owner, you know, you go, you know, you don't know when your next check is coming. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of, I feel like there's a fake stigma out there that, you know, this person owns a business. They have a lot of money, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like you said earlier, it's, there's always cash flow problems. And I'm just like, I just wish people really knew like the true side of owning a business the reality is, you know, Sherman, the stats are, and I think, you know, I, I saw an interview with, um, with TD Jakes. Um, and I thought this was a, he, he said a good, he made some good quotes, but the reality is the percentage of people, business owners that fall, that don't ever make it to six figures, a hundred thousand mm-hmm. is significant. I, I want to say 80%. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Oh, wow. You mean like um, uh, six figures profit? six figures revenue top line revenue oh wow so the numbers are really 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 high um mm-hmm. of people of com- people who never ma- who has a company but never make it to 100,000 not then the between 100,000 and a million obviously it's a big number gap but the numbers of companies that make it to the million which is really the core number I mean, it's not it's not a fake marker. People are like, oh, well, that's an arbitrary number. It's not an arbitrary number. The statistics show that if you can make it to a million, then your company has more capacity to be able to sustain because, mm-hmm. you know, the failure rate is significant up at, at 10 years. 
70% of companies, so if a company, if, 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 uh, if 10 companies started today, right now, incorporated mm-hmm. right now, within 10 years, 70% of those companies, seven of those 10 will not be around. I feel like that might be a lot higher now. Though. Now, but... No, that's the facts. Those are the facts. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, those yeah. the numbers that's in the now, United States. Like... Now, I mean, things are moving so fast. I would think that nine out of the 10, you know, because it's like, you you know, what we're not saying is failure, failure at 10, at at 10 years, right? Yeah. At 10 years, we have seven, 70% failing. We don't know like what happens after that 10 years. Right. right, Those, but the failure rate, those 10, those three, that 30% still includes out of that 30% in 10 years, Still includes people who haven't made it to the hundred thousand, haven't made it to the five hundred thousand, oh. haven't made it to the million. So the numbers are very, very, very slim. Which yeah. is one of the reasons why when I, when I say the top four reasons for business failure happen to be the top four reasons of chaos in the business, I'm not doing this because I. It's a play play. The mm. reality is that if you're experiencing these things, cash flow issues, if you're experiencing inability to scale, if you're experiencing cannot build a team, if you're experiencing a situation where you have too many hats, you're wearing too many hats and you're unable to walk away from the business without yeah. feeling like it's going to implode, that is a humongous issue and mm-hmm. needs to be addressed because eventually it will become sinister yeah. and it will get you to, you know, I'm not saying I'm predicting you're going to fail, but it will get you to a place where you're having to juggle some things and it's not going to be a good situation. Yeah. You know, it's crazy because I started a business. Uh, I'm going to keep what kind of business. Well, it, you know, I was, uh, I was a broker. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing basically like data entry and mm-hmm. that would take up a great deal of my day. And then I was like, man, I am not about to spend my day like doing something that anybody could do, you know, like a monkey could do this. You know what I'm saying? It's just boom, boom, boom. And I'm, you know, and then I'm just like, okay, forget it. This is what I'm going to do. I hired somebody, you know, overseas, hired two people. And I basically wrote down all of the actions that I want them to take, like how, how they're going to do what I do. And as soon as I hired them, my business skyrocketed. Of course it did, Sherman. (laughs) Yeah, it skyrocketed. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I'm a a believer now. And now I was able to focus on more developing, you know, more important tasks. You know what I'm saying? more strategic. Yeah, be way more strategic. So even now, you know, some people are like, oh, you can do this on your own. You can do that. I'm like, look, man. Why would you? Yeah. Why? Exactly. I don't understand that. That That's the thing. Uh, that's what TDJ was talking about. He was talking of the percentage of people that never that that stay in business. So they, mm-hmm. they, they get past the 10 years, but they spend that whole time hustling. It's them own. They're the only ones. You know, we call them employer firms versus people who don't have anybody working in the firm. So once you hire your first employee, you become an employer firm, right? So the point here is that the goal really should be about what you did. Hire real fast, build your team fast. People are always wondering, can I hit payroll? I promise you that the more you build your team, the more Mm -hmm. capacity you have, the more money will come into the business, the more you're able to hit payroll, right? And it's scary. I'm not saying it's not scary because now you're responsible for someone else and their family and you don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Looky here. 
the reality is that quote that I one of one other African proverb that all that I said that I have I use all the time is if you want to go fast, go alone. Yeah. If you want to go far, go together. Right. If you have more people on your team, the further you can go. And mm-hmm. think about it. Why? I mean, I understand there's a that there's a different mindset. So you know, TDH is basically saying that one of the reasons why. Um, many people stay doing it on their own is because there's this culture of hustle and they cannot see their mind scaling at the same time though Sherman if you stay hustling all the time in that feeling of having to hustle and I I know it feels good for some people because it makes them feel important and significant like oh look at me I'm hustling yeah however um if you begin to do that, think about warfare, right? If people mm-hmm. can, back in the day before, you know, um, modern day warfare, those generals were standing on the hill and they're yeah. looking down so they can see the business. I mean, see the, the battle and be strategic and send down to their, you know, send message down to the troops, the leaders that are on the field say, go left, go right, retreat, mm-hmm. go forward, do mm-hmm. whatever it is. If you're in your business, so building in the business, working in the business so much, you cannot be strategic. You right. cannot even take your head up to look and see what direction you're going. You can't direct the business. You are yeah. working in the business and you eventually just have a job. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what I call people. I'm like, I mean, you're kind of like an employee of yourself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're not. And, you know, that's a false sense that since I do have a business, I'm a boss. And I tell people, you're not a boss unless you have employees that you're paying. Yes. You know what I'm saying? That's what a boss is. But, yeah. it, you know, like, you know, the job means just over broke. And I'm like, well, as long as you're not broke, you're fine. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, it's, it's a lot of misconceptions. And, yeah. you know, I remember when I first uh, got my, like, you know, real corporate job um you know because i was always in sales so i really didn't have a salary or anything like that and i started working for wells fargo and it was just amazing to me like how people got paid time off you know i was like what is this like so i could say i'm not coming in today and i'm gonna still get paid you know they were like yeah i was like oh this is amazing you know what i'm saying so (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean but it's like you know i i just wish that you know, a lot of people put themselves in positions to fail because they don't know like the aptitude or like the what really goes on or like how you could really succeed at this. But I tell people this all the time before you get into something, you know, do research, see if it's really you, see if you could really do it. Talk to somebody that's in it. You know, yeah. don't just look at the money. You know what I mean? Because a, a lot of people are getting a real estate license, but they forget that that's a, a sales driven type of business. Like that's a contact sport. Yeah. You know, if you're not yeah. willing to talk to people all day, every day, you know, that's probably not the business for you. But you showing your picture online, you know, looking nice in front of a nice house. That's cool. But you have to be hammering. You know what I'm it's saying? Numbers game, baby. It's a numbers yeah, game. It's a, it's a numbers game. Yeah. So we have yeah, to. You know, we, I, I think, though, too, just in general in life, it's been my experience um, that people really need to have the red hot desire mm-hmm. for the things they want in life um, in order to do it. I think people say they want certain things 
or they want to accomplish certain certain things, mm-hmm. but they don't really have the desire within that allows for you to to do the thing. And it's not just about the hustle or the grind. Right. It's about when you desire something bad enough, your your subconscious comes up with even better ideas right. on how to make it work, how to mm-hmm. get you to the end point. And, you know, I'm a strategist. So for me, it's all about strategy. Right. Once you have a good strategy and you execute it well, you can really get anything done. Mm-hmm. The question, though, always has to be before you get to the strategies, how badly do you want it? Right. How badly do you want it? So you may have all the tools in the world. You may have the innate capacity to talk to people because some people are really good at sales because their personalities happen to do that. Right. Versus someone who has to work hard at that, mm-hmm. at being good at sales. But if you want it bad enough, the person who has the intrinsic capacity and abilities to do it, and they don't want it as bad as the one who doesn't have those intrinsic skills, you'd be surprised the one who doesn't have those intrinsic skills will still outperform the one who has it because they want it bad enough. Right. And so a large part of the question I often ask people and, you know, and, you know, my clients who are, you know, these are savvy business owners. And I ask the question all the time, do you want it bad enough? When Mm -hmm. something pops up in their business, you know, one of my clients, you know, surpassed a million uh, about a year or so ago. And, you know, she's now, you know, she's now created her set, her next goal in the business. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's like, well, you know, I'm thinking about this, but then, you know, this, and then, you know, the team member that whatever, I'm like, do you want it bad enough? She's like, okay, yeah, let me, let me regroup. (laughs) Because you have to ask yourself that question. Do you want it bad enough all the time? Right. How badly do you want it? Once you get, and if you don't want it, if it's not a hell yeah, then walk away. (laughs) It has to be a hell yeah, or else it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's the truth. That's the truth. Cause I often put myself in positions where it's like, ah, I could do it. But then for me, it's like, I'm kind of like either I'm all the way in or I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not really the one person that just puts their toe in, you know, I'm like, yeah. we're going to go, we're going to, you know, we're going to charge, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm very careful about what I put myself in because it's like, if I'm not in it all the way, I tend to put up a mask like I am. And that mask is only going to la- last for so long, so you know long. what I'm saying? So for long. so long. So it's like, yeah, I could come in here. I could smile. I could do this. But then it's like, you know that you have it, but then you see somebody like kicking ass and that's because they just want it better than you. You know what I mean? And when I read stories about successful people like Phil Knight, you know, Mm -hmm. I read uh, Bruce. No, no, no. What's his name? Bruno Mars um, Mm -hmm. story on Wikipedia and all of the stuff that they went through. And there were just so many times where they could have quit, you know, where it would have made sense to everybody in the world. Yeah. You know, like, you know what, that, that makes sense. You were, you were signed at Motown, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And, you know, they dropped you the fir- first year. You probably have no hope. You should probably move back yeah. to Hawaii, Bruno, you know? Oh, Phil Knight. Oh, you know what? You went bankrupt. Right, exactly. You lost money. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. You, you should probably shut down the business and get a regular job. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And I feel like a lot of us, you know, we just, you know, the quick rich screams and all this other stuff has put like a false sense of like what it really takes to make something happen. But like you said, if you don't want it bad enough, it's not going to come into fruition at all. It's not. Look, 
there are overnight successes that mm. took 20 years. Mm. <laughs> right. People right. always like, oh, yeah, it's an overnight success. Yep. And it took them 20 years to overnight success that because mm -hmm. they don't show you what happened before, how this yeah. happened. You know, right. people are like, oh, Tabitha, Tabitha Brown, overnight success during COVID. If you listen to her story, she's like, uh-uh. They, yeah. When they moved to California and then decided to do the thing and her husband decided to go to work so she could try to do the auditions. She's been on this. She's been on this game for a long time. Mm -hmm. The fact that she now blew up during during the pandemic mm -hmm. is because she'd been working her game for a long time. That's yeah. how every story is. There's very, very few overnight successes. Mm -hmm. The problem is people don't want to really get it though they're like okay maybe that person took them 20 years but that person over there did an overnight success like no no one is an overnight success right they are gonna always have a story behind yeah and, and so i think in the end if people can begin to recognize do you want it bad enough how badly do you want it i remember one of my good friends asked me to talk to her teenage daughter she went, she wanted to consider becoming a creative director. And I said, okay, well, what do you want to create? And she's like, well, you know, I want to have my own YouTube, um, Instagram and be an influencer. I said, okay, so who are you going to serve? Mm -hmm. She's like, well, I don't know. I'm just going to show people my life. I'm like, but who are you, who are you trying to impact, right. you know, in your influencing? Right. And she, and she couldn't really articulate. And of course, she's a teenager. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She's a stage of life that she's in. Right. But this is sort of the thing, you know, it's like not recognizing that everything is a strategy. Mm -hmm. Every single thing is a strategy. Yeah. If you cannot articulate who your who your target audience is, if you can't articulate exactly what your product is, mm -hmm. even if it is influencing, what's your product in the influencing? Is it about health and fitness? Yeah. Is it about, you know, lifestyle? Is it about, you know, cleaning the house? You mm -hmm. know, interior. What is it that your product that you're selling? Right. Because in the end, if you're not thinking strategically, you are wasting time and money. Right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Because like, I honestly, uh, I do that with my daughter. You know, she says she wants to be a YouTuber. Okay, what do you want to do? And I ask her so many questions and she gets annoyed. But I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm making you think through everything yeah. that you say. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't just say something. You know, yeah. like you went from being a scientist to, okay, now I want to be a YouTuber. And I'm like, no, nah, hold on. We got to, you know what I mean? Like yes. you can't just do something because it's popular or yeah. you want to be fulfilled in some kind of, kind of way, you know? Yeah. And I feel like society is more so being more in love with the titles rather than like doing real work, you know? Yeah. 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 I agree completely. And look, it's okay if you feel as if you have a, uh, something to give mm -hmm. and you have something to share to the world in this way. So there are many different ways you can share your gifts to the world. Mm -hmm. You just have to be really clear about what that is. Right. That's true. And if you see, and if you're trying to build a business around it, mm -hmm. then you, you need to be very clear about what the business model is. And is this a scalable business model? Right. I mean, right. look, this idea of being an influencer is not a new thing. The The concept of, you know, obviously you now have different tools, but the media industry has been around forever. Right. You, you get an audience for whatever you're selling. 
So mm-hmm. even with newspapers, that's actually a product. They mm-hmm. give you the news, okay, in, in a paper, and they would sell it to you for enough just to break even. They, right. Now that we have an audience, you subscribe to the newspaper, then they can get their money from the advertisers. This right. is not a new business model. It's <laughs> right. not new. It just is. So what's the product that you are selling? So you have to be clear. Newspapers knew they were selling news. Mm-hmm. So that's how they're going to get their audience. Yeah. You as Miss Teenage Girl on YouTube, what is your thing? You know, right. again, you may have something really valuable to offer. And maybe you could be like the Jenners and it's just your life you're selling. But Keep in mind, there's a whole lot of other people just selling their lives out there. So what right. makes your life any more different right. than any other cute girl's life? Yeah. Because What's your competitive advantage? Yeah. Because I, I I definitely look at that, too, because it's like those people are selling their life, but they have a life that other people can't obtain. You know, maybe they live in a mansion and they drive a nice car. I want right. to see people in mansions driving nice cars. But if you're just like. Hey, I'm just in a regular house. It's like, why do I want to watch you versus somebody else? Yeah. So it's like, you got to have some type of competitive advantage. And, you know, we definitely uh, have to have more conversations like that with people to get them to realize it so they won't waste their time. And again, right now, the big move is towards authenticity, right? Right. So people like to see authentic people living their lives, but it still has to be something unique. Right. So if if you're just living your life in someone's regular, you know, middle-class house, then what about your life is interesting. Mm -hmm. That would make me say, I'm going to use my valuable time. Yeah. That's non-renewable. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. (laughs) To watch you. Right. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Cause yeah. But then it's like, if you're truly authentic, you will find some kind of way because everybody is different in some kind of way. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cause it's like, say if a parent has a child with autism and they're like, you know, I'm about to showcase my life and dealing with this and that, that's interesting. That's way yes. more interesting than watching just like a pretty girl walking around. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, I'll be like, Oh, this is different. I want to see what it's like, you know? Oh, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. There's a fantastic guy who I have just found and he's now like one of my favorite, you know, little TikTokers. He's a librarian. Mm-hmm. And he obviously I love like I love libraries and I love librarians. I'm kind of a geek like that. But this particular librarian, he's this young guy and he's just so cute. And he tells these great stories about the people that come into the library, you know, obviously keeping their their data, you know, they're not telling, you know not giving information about them but he talks about these you know these stories that are so inspiring and so cute and so wonderful and his perspective is like you know you know you know library kids are going to save the world and you know Mm -hmm. people that come to library so you have this sort of feel good thing and he's all excited about his work and I just love watching him it just makes me happy watching him and he's just being authentically himself. So there are so many ways that you can be just you mm-hmm. and gain a, a following of people if you, you know, if you can. But again, what are you selling? He's selling hope, good news, and a little bit of humor. That's what yeah. he's selling. And a yeah. little side dash of 
come to the library and read a book, right? right. So that's what he's selling. And I love it. And mm. I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's yeah, that's I mean, that's very different. I mean, I could see how that could intrigue you, you know, like definitely. Definitely. And so I do have to ask a question. So if someone was just starting a business, um, you know, like in, you know, like say what you were talking about with the young uh, teenage girl and they were like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to start. You know, I want to do this, but and this is my talent, but I just don't know how to uh, monetize my talent. You know what I'm saying? Like what in what ways will you advise someone to start their business? Well, you know, I would first start with jotting down all the things that you have some level of expertise in mm -hmm. and you, you know something about that's one list, mm -hmm. then do a list of things that if you thought you could learn a little bit about it, it might be interesting mm -hmm. and then sit down with people like interview your mom your dad your grandma your neighbor the person at your church and say what do you think i'm really good at because i i believe that you want to do work that you would do for free not that you're going to do it yeah. for free but i think a good place to start is do things you would love to do just for free that's one really good place to start Mm -hmm. Now, I also think there are a lot of great businesses out there that are boring, mm -hmm. but are easy, have a low entry point mm -hmm. for getting into mm -hmm. that can generate a great deal of revenue, particularly yeah. if you're just trying to get your first, you know, six figures so that you can start investing it into other business ventures. And so there are a number of those types of businesses. And if you have a couple of dollars, if you have, you know, a little bit of money from family, if you have a little thing, you could try this. So for instance, you know, vending machines are an easy, low barrier type of a business that if you got, if you're able to, you know, find a couple of locations mm -hmm. that you could get a, that would allow for you to put a vending machine in their location, a gym or a hospital or a university places where there's lots of people right if you secure a location i guarantee you if you, there's places online now you can just find and say you know give me ideas of locations for vending machines and you go out and do the work you find a location you get about 1500 bucks and you buy an actual vending machine you don't need to get the fanciest one just get one mm -hmm. and you just go to costco and get a couple of things put it in there that can generate additional revenue i'm sure it can pay off the cost of getting the vending machine yeah. very fast and if you have additional funds coming out of that you might be able to get another one and another one and another one so that you'll be able to get enough revenue that you might be able to invest in something bigger that you want to do other than vending machines right another boring business venture is like laundry mats right yeah. that's boring but it's just i'm just saying it's kind of a thing it it generates money if you have some capital to invest mm -hmm. so you want to but if you're if you have no money then first try to save up a little bit of dollars so that you can have an entry point somewhere whatever whatever business that is so you can earn some revenue to bring into the business so then you can pivot 
to whatever you think would be really fun and exciting or, or you know, for you. Right. And, and that's one way, particularly because, you know, if your audience is primarily young African-American youth, you know, we don't have very wealthy uncles out there. Yeah. And so although you might have a wealthy uncle and that way you go him with a business plan and say, here, invest. However, if you don't have that kind of thing, you need to find some revenue and making some revenue is all about like just starting with something that's a low barrier yeah. to entry. So mm-hmm. you can start bringing in revenue. Once you start bringing the revenue, then you can start looking and seeing, okay, what else that I can do? Yeah. However, I would say that you want to first judge on the things that you think you have some level of expertise in, some of the things that you, and if you can't think of uh, a thing Maybe write down what are the traits that you have at a high level. It's like, I'm really good at sales. I'm really good at talking to people. I'm really good at understanding uh, technology. I'm a really good listener. Whatever the thing is, maybe drop down those traits if you can't think of how to apply those traits to a particular skill set. And then ask the people in your life, what do you think I'm good at? I mean, Mm -hmm. I saw one kid, he literally started, you know, to, and it depends on if you are living in, in a densely populated city area where most times the building is responsible for the trash bins. But if you're living like in a suburban area where mm-hmm. each person is responsible for their chat trash bin, this young kid, he went around and he started cleaning, like, like pressure washing the trash bins in his neighborhood. And he had all the different folks around the block paying him 20 bucks per whatever to clean the trash bins. You know, the big ones that you have to roll out onto the Yeah, yeah. I I need him right now. Okay, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And then he started talking about how someone was interviewing him and he was like, yeah, well, now I've kind of um, expanded my time so I'm not to hire someone. Mm-hmm. So this kid is 13 years old. He's going to hire someone. He he sees the situation. He knows that if he got more people on payroll, he would be able to expand it. And now he's making he's making quite a bit of dollars. You could do that for 12 months, generate some real revenue. Right. And guess what? Invest that into whatever the next business idea is. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Like I'm more so focused now on absentee owned business. Like mm-hmm. one day I'm going to just have a gang of car washes, gas stations, stuff like that. Yes. And then I'm able to just do what I want to do that I would do for free and then invest it in that. You know, that's that's a long time coming, but I got it in my, you know, yeah. I got it in my plan. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like I have my own strategy, but, you know, I, I really do feel like people should implement strategies like how we, you know, like we just converse. I feel like that is very important. Like we can't aim at something in the dark you know like we yeah we don't just don't, don't close your eyes and pick something don't um don't do it just because you see a lot of people doing it yeah. do things that you know the other day i was speaking at a, a conference in nashville it was for the home services industry mm-hmm. and you know, these are all folks who you know when you talk about the home service industry these are like um interior designers uh landscaping companies mm-hmm. um pool companies, you know, those kinds of anything that has to do with the home. Right. Um, and so I, you know, being there was really very interesting. These are all business owners of these companies. And some of them were just 
you know, they bought a, a pressure washing thing and they clean the windows and like, it's just them and they're now building a team or some of them, it's like, we've been around for a bit. We've been a landscaper for a bit. We have about, you know, five, you know, five or six uh, employees or we've got 50 employees. It's like all this variation of, of folks, but it's such a low barrier to entry kind of uh, an industry Mm-hmm. For, to get into you know your right. pressure washing is a huge thing now apparently and you just all you have to do is get the stuff and yeah. then you can start and of course it depends on which locate you know what your geography is if you're in an area where it's very cold probably not going to be a thing right if you have more warmth in the region that, that you live in you'll have more opportunities for more business right mm-hmm. because you're outside more right yeah um but depending upon what so you want to think about what type of businesses have a low barrier to entry for in for capital investment and go from there mm-hmm. and you see where you can get some, but you want to do it in things that you would actually want to do. Yeah. If you do a thing and you really don't want to do it, then it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, if, I I like the idea of pressure washing trash cans, but I'm, I can't stand the smell. So I gotta, <laughs> I gotta think about something else. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. That makes mm-hmm. sense. So, um, all right. So in closing, how can people find you? How can people reach you? Absolutely. You know, what kind so of, I, I, I hang out in LinkedIn. So if you're on LinkedIn, say hello, <laughs> say I'm with Sherman's crew, reach out. Say hello. <laughs> I want to talk. I really love hearing what people are doing Mm -hmm. um if you own a business and you feel as if you know like i was talking about those symptoms of chaos Mm -hmm. and you recognize that that's what's happening in your business but you don't really know what the problem is or you think you have you have an idea what the problem is but it might not be got a free uh pdf for you it's a it's a little booklet that i wrote basically downloading what it is that i think are the eight true culprits that cause chaos in business. So that's actually the name of the book, The Eight True Culprits Causing Chaos in Your Business. You can download it by going to my website at nobusinesschaos.com, mm-hmm. nobusinesschaos.com, because chaos is the enemy of business. Right, and we definitely have to deal with it. <laughs> so again, Carrie Ann, are you in uh, Spain right now? No, right now I'm in New York. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, cool. Well, again, um, you know, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Thank you. You know, this it. has been awesome. I've been excited to talk to you, you know. So I'm glad mm-hmm. we made it happen. And yes, yeah, I'm, I'm happy too. You're yeah, fantastic. I'm a, I'm gonna definitely add you on LinkedIn myself and let's definitely keep in touch. For sure. Absolutely. All right, thank you. <laughs>